Okay, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Book of 1 Samuel chapter 2. Verse 18. Now Samuel was ministering, 1 Samuel 2.18. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod. And his mother would make him a little robe and, and bring it to him. From year to year, when she would come up with her husband to offer, at the, to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And, and they went to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And the boy, the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. So, you see that the family was very much a part was very much a part of this ministry of of uh, the family family of Samuel was a part of his ministry. They hadn't abandoned him in this. They had not forgotten him as a child. They were very much a part of this. They were supporting him in this. And this is what families are supposed to do. They're supposed to stand together and support one another in these sort of things, not to fight with one another. That, that to try to keep people off the mission field, but to encourage them to go and, and to be a support to them. Now, let's contrast this to what was happening with Eli's sons. In verse 22 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22. Now, Eli was very old, and he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why... Do you do such things, the evil things that I hear from all these people? No, my sons, for the report is not good which I hear the Lord's people circulating. If one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for the Lord desired to put them to death. So you see this contrast now with Eli's own son. So here you have Eli the high priest. You have his own sons for what they were doing that we read about last time, how they were stealing the sacrifice from the people. They were taking the, the part of the sacrifice that was never supposed to be for the priests. The priests were supposed to get uh, a certain portion of the animal, and they were taking whatever portion they wanted. They were taking unboiled meat that still had the fat on it prior to the boiling and prior to the burning of fat. Uh, so again, that was something that was specifically told that they could not do, and they did that. And now Eli hears about this, and he reproves them, but his reproof is too late. And look what he hears in verse 22. He heard how his sons were laying with the women who had served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So, just as we had said before, so you had the whole Levitical community that would serve around this tabernacle. And there were women that served in certain capacities. There were men that served. And there were some women that would serve even as temple prostitutes. And in fact, at different times in the history of Israel, there were, there were male prostitutes as well. So there was a lot of improper behavior going on even around the tabernacle. And the sons of the high priest, who were themselves priests, were sleeping with some of these Levitical women servants. And he heard about it. So that's why whenever I hear things that happen in a church that are not right, it grieves me, but it doesn't surprise me. 
You know, it doesn't surprise me that pastors fall into immorality. It grieves me. It doesn't surprise me that people fall into immorality. It grieves me. But when people, as we had talked about last time, are given this type of position in authority, the depth of the sin is greater because of what they know. But this is exactly what they were doing. And we know that these men were married because we know from the next chapter that they were very much married because they're, they're, uh, uh, one of their, their own wives was having a child at the time that these two young men were, were going to be dying. I don't know if they were very young. I mean, they might have been in their 50s even. Because, because uh, uh, we know that, that Eli, it says later on, had lived into his 90s, well into his 90s. And so he reproves them, but the reproof is too late as this report comes to them, and it says, but they would not listen to the voice of their father, in verse 25, for the Lord desired to put them to death. There came a point where they had gone too far. And so in this natural world, there was no turning back. There was no turning back for them. They had gone too far, they had no regard for their father, and God was desirous of putting them to death. That's a terrible position to be in. As... Because Jesus has died, has died for us, the scriptures say in, in Acts 2.21, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. However, it doesn't say all who call on the name of the Lord, everything in their life is going to be restored. We can do things in our lives, and this is what I told my own children. When you were little, you made decisions... And you made wrong decisions, and those wrong decisions hurt you a little bit. As you get older, the decisions that you make impact your life a great deal. Who your friends will be will impact your life a great deal as you get older. Who you choose as a spouse, who you choose to go out with that could lead to relationships, that will impact your life a lot. And that's why it's all the more important to be in this Word, in this book, and have the community of faith so we have other people to talk with, to get good guidance. The decisions that you make impact your life all the more. It talks about in Proverbs chapter 1, wisdom shouts out in the streets, she cries out in the squares, wanting to give us wisdom. But it says, because you have chosen not to have wisdom. When your life falls apart, wisdom will laugh at you. And it doesn't sound like a very Christian thing to say. Because it's not talking about salvation for the believer. Salvation for the believer can come. But great turmoil in a life can come by disobedience to God's Word. And once there's been marital immorality to occur and the marriage has gone to a certain point, you can't turn back the clock and just have it all of a sudden be new again because you say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me, gets us right with God in the sense of salvation, in a salvation sense, and gets us right with God in repentance. But it doesn't restore everything automatically. So this feeling like, well, I could sin, I'll just ask for forgiveness. That... You can be fine in the salvation sense. You can be fine in the sense that God has forgiven your sins. But the ramifications of that action in a life are really quite profound and they stay there. And they could affect a life for an entire life. Once a marriage has been trashed, it's been trashed. 
so that there are decisions that you will make that you can't automatically go back on and say, well, I'll just ask God to forgive me. No, you can't just turn these things around. And that's the point that these young men had come to. They couldn't turn this thing around. And they got to such a point where their hearts had become so hardened, they weren't even open to the reproof of their father. And God said, the only thing to do with these two young men is to kill them. And God does this. God does this many times throughout the Scriptures. He comes to Abimelech. Abimelech had taken uh, Abraham's wife, Sarah, didn't even know that it was his wife, because Abraham never said it was his wife, just said it was his sister. He comes to Abimelech and he says, Abimelech, you're a dead man. Imagine God coming and saying, you're a dead man. Abimelech said, what did I do? He says, you got another man's wife. He says, I thought it was his sister. He says, I know, that's why I didn't kill you yet. And Abimelech immediately restored the, the wife to Ab- Sarah to Abraham said, why didn't you tell me? Abraham was like, kind of nervous. And he gave a bunch of gifts to Abraham. He says, just pray to God for me. So let's see the, the, the curse that's going to be brought on, on, on the house of Eli as a result of this. In verse 26, 226. Now Eli's problem was he had waited too long to reprove them as we're going to learn later on in the chapter. First uh, Samuel chapter 2, verse 26. Now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. Then a man of God came to Eli and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, Did I not indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in bondage to Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose them from all the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to carry the ephod before me? And did I not give the house of your father all the fire... Offerings of the sons of, uh, of Israel. Why do you kick at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling, and honor your sons above me, by making yourselves fat with the choicest of every offering of my people Israel? Therefore the Lord God of Israel declares, I did indeed say that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now... The Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming when I will break your strength and the strength of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. You will see the distress of my dwelling in spite of all the good that I do for Israel. And an old man will not be in your house forever. Yet I will not cut off every man of yours from my altar, so that your eyes will fail from weeping, and your soul grieve, and all the increase of your house will die in the prime of life. This will be a sign to you which will come concerning your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. On the same day, both of them will die. But I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my soul, and I will build him an enduring house, and he will walk before my anointed always." Everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread and say, please assign me to one of the priest's offices so that I may eat a piece of bread. So here this man of God comes. And before I get into that, this verse 26, it says, Now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor with both the Lord and men. Again, this dichotomy that you see. The sons of Eli growing up right or or serving right next to this boy Samuel. Samuel being blessed of God, anointed of God, used of God. 
Hophni and Phineas being cursed of God and ultimately killed by God. Same environment. Two people. Choosing two, two, Samuel versus Hophni and Phineas, Choosing two different ways. And this is what you can see. Two people growing up in the same environment. Will you choose rightly? Will you choose rightly? So the curse comes. And the curse comes, he says, because he asks some rhetorical questions saying, did I not do this? And the answer is, yes, 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 you did this. And then God himself says, I redeemed you, I took you, and I called out of your father's house. So there was a promise made to Aaron, that Aaron's family, of the Levitical tribe, which was the only one that, that, that defended the, the Lord's, took the Lord's stand, God chose one family, the family of Aaron, of the Levitical tribe, to be the priests. So it had to be descendants of Aaron. And we are going to see analytically today how accurate the Bible is and how accurate God's blessings and cursings are. So a lot of times I try to you know, bring you this message from the Word. I want you to see how specific God's Word is. I love this book. I love this book because I love the messages that God speaks to my heart. But I also love the analytical work in this book. So if, if, if you're a... a, a if you're the type that likes precision, I mean, this book is so precise. The precision of prophecy, the precision of the Word of God, God being faithful to His Word, we're going to see that today. And if you're just a touchy-feely sort of person, you may not get into this. But just remember, God's Word is true. And we're going to look at a number of different scriptures that underscore what God has said here. So what God said here is that of your house, Eli, every male... Every male among you will die in the prime of his life. But not all of them. Some of them are going to live long enough to weep because they didn't honor me. That's what he says. He says that, that um, in verse 31, Behold, the days are coming when I will break your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. You will see the distress of my dwelling in spite of all the good that I did for Israel, and an old man will not be in your house forever. Yet I will not cut off every man of yours from my altar, so that your eyes will fail from weeping, so that your eyes will fail from weeping, and your soul will grieve, and all the increase of your house will die in the prime of life. And so, let's track this. Let's track how accurate this prophecy is. So, if we go back to well, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 18. 1 Samuel 22:18. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let, let, let's let's turn back even further. Exodus, Exodus 6:25, and let's look at the promise or, or what was going on in the house of Aaron. Exodus 6:25 says, "Oh, do I have this right? All right." Um, Exodus 6.25 says, Aaron's son Eliezer married one of the daughters of Petuel, and she bore him Phineas. These are the heads of the father's households of the Levites according to their families. So let me explain to you. Aaron had four sons. Aaron the priest, the brother of Moses, had four sons. Nadab and Abihu. And then he had Eleazar and Ithamar. Four sons. Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Nadab and Abihu are the two that died for offering up strange fire to the Lord. Aaron lost two of his sons on the same day because they were drinking and they offered up strange fire to the Lord and God killed them 
in, right before his altar, he killed them both in one day. He had two remaining sons, Phineas and Eleazar. Phineas and Eleazar, I'm sorry. He had two remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar. Of the line of Eli, Eli was a descendant of Ithamar. Alright, so two sons now. Aaron has two remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar. Under Ithamar's line comes the line of Eli. Under Eleazar's line comes another line, Phineas. This is not Eli's son, Phineas. This is a Phineas of a, of a higher generation. And so now let's look at Numbers 25, verse 13. So we know that Aaron had a son named Eleazar, and Eleazar gave birth to another son. Eleazar gave birth to a son named Phineas. So in Numbers 25, the book of Numbers, chapter 25, verse 13. Numbers 25, 13. Uh, let's, start, let's start reading um, in verse 10. Numbers 25, verse 10. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore, say, Behold, I give him my covenant of peace, And it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. Okay, so what had happened was the Israelites were sleeping with women who were not Israelites and marrying them. And Phinehas went and right in front of Moses and Aaron, this young man was going off with this woman and they went into a tent together. And Phineas, who is now the grandson of Aaron, so you have Aaron, you have Eleazar, Phineas. Phineas goes in and in the zeal for the Lord kills them both. Drives them both through with a spear. And that quenched God's wrath against the nation that was going to come. And God promises that, he says, because Phineas cared about me and my word enough to do this, I am going to bless the house of Phineas forever. Phineas shall have a perpetual priesthood. Interestingly, Eli is not of Phineas' line. Eli is not of that line. Because he's cursing now Eli's line later on in, in 1 Samuel that it shall never be part of the priesthood. Phineas' line is the one that will take over. Many years before, he had known and made a promise that Phineas will have a perpetual priesthood from his line who is a descendant of Aaron. Now let's turn to 1 Samuel 22, verse 18. God stitches this whole thing together over a period of 500 years. Just amazing what He's able to do. 1 Samuel 22, verse 18. Then the king said to Doeg, You shall turn around and attack the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned around and attacked the priests, and he killed that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. And he struck the city of, of, of uh, Nob, the city of the priests, with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and infants, also oxen and donkeys, sheep, he struck with the edge of the sword. But one son of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and he fled after David. Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, 
I knew on the day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have brought about the death of every person in your father's household. Stay with me, do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life, for you are safe with me. So, the priests of Node, so after the destruction of Shiloh, some period of maybe 50 years, the priests of Node, Node, Node is on where Mount Scopus is right now, atop the Mount of Olives. You have Mount Scopus right by the Mount of Olives there, which overlooks the city of Jerusalem. And right now, Hebrew University dormitories are on Mount Scopus. On that mountain was the, the was, uh, 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 Node. And this is where the tabernacle was at this point. So it moved from Shiloh, and then eventually it ended up at, at Node. Saul goes in there, and he kills all the priests. All the priests, all of these were descendants of Eli. He killed them all. Isn't that interesting? God had made a prophecy many years before that every one of the priests is going to die in the prime of their life. Every one of your descendants will die in the prime of their life. And this happened many, many years later. It happened. But he says they won't all die. Some of them are going to survive long enough to weep. Their eyes won't stop weeping. This guy, Abiathar, is made the priest by David, but he is going to be deposed in the prime of his life. And so, if you turn to first to uh, uh, that would be in in First uh, Kings chapter two. In First Kings chapter two, this is when when Solomon has just taken the throne. There was a rebellion. Because his, his, uh, one of his brothers, Adonijah, tried to take the throne. And so what he does is he has Adonijah killed. He also has uh, uh, Joab, who is part of the conspiracy, killed. And Abiathar, this young boy who ran away, who became priest to David, ends up rebelling against David's son, uh, um, Solomon. And Solomon doesn't kill him, but has him deposed. And so if you first turn to 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 26. Then to Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth, to your field, for you deserve to die, but I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted in everything with which my father was afflicted. So Solomon dismissed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord in order to fulfill the word which the Lord of the Lord, which he had spoken concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. So this was a word that was spoken maybe a hundred years before. And sure enough, Abiathar, that was of the line of Ithamar, that was of the line of Eli, was now being deposed. There was another son of the line of Eleazar. So Eleazar had a son named Phineas. A few more generations, there was a son named Zadok. Zadok became priest, was also a priest to David, became high priest in Solomon's reign. And Zadok is the priest that is going to carry on the perpetual priesthood that was promised to that line that came from Phineas, that ultimately came from Aaron. So we see that if you turn to First Chronicles chapter 24, after Kings comes Chronicles. Isn't this amazing the way this is stitched together? If you don't like this, it's because you're not the type that likes this kind of stuff. 
But, but to those of you who are scientists and engineers, I mean, this is like, wow, I didn't know it was all... Every one of these prophecies in the Word of God that you read is stitched together like this. So if you would search this out, and there are books written on this. I mean, so it's not like you have to, you know, from the beginning be the first one to do this. People have, have got this all down, and you just look at this, and it's amazing. So you turn to First Chronicles chapter 24, chapter 24, and read from verse 1. Now the divisions of the descendants of Aaron were these. The sons of Aaron were Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died before the, their father and had no sons. So Eleazar and Ithamar served as priests. David with Zadok, the son of Eleazar, and Ahimelech of the son of Ithamar, divided them according to their offices for ministry. So, um, so, so they ended up getting divided. So there are other sons of Ithamar. And you see now, Eleazar's descendant from Eleazar was Phineas, and, and now you, you had Zadok. And descending from, from Ithamar, you have, you, you have Ahimelech uh, uh, um, of the son of Ithamar. And now you're going to see the house of Ahimelech get weaker and weaker and weaker. And then remember, it was his house, no, that was all killed. That, that, that uh, um, Ahimelech's house was all killed off. And you see this now. You're going to see Zadok increasing and increasing and increasing. Because he is of the line of Phineas. He is not of the line that came through Eli. God is keeping this thing so precise. And then the promise comes hundreds and hundreds of years later in Ezekiel. So if you turn to Ezekiel, the book of, uh, uh, book of Ezekiel chapter 40. Here the, you start seeing the promise fulfilled. And this is a perpetual priesthood. This means also in heaven, the line of Phineas that is descended from Eleazar through Zadok is going to continue to be in the priesthood. Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 46. But the chamber which faces toward the north is for the priests who keep charge of the altar. These are the sons of Zadok, who from the sons of Levi come near to the Lord to minister. So you see, it is the sons of Zadok that have prevailed. Not the sons that came from the line of Ithamar. It's the sons of Zadok that have prevailed. Turn to, in that same book, chapter 43... God says it again and again through the prophecy of Ezekiel. Chapter 43, reading from verse 19. You shall give to the Levitical priests who are from the offspring of Zadok, who draw near to me to minister to me, declares the Lord, a young bull for the sin offering. Again, he's underscoring it is of the line of Zadok that is continuing. Chapter 44, verse 15. Chapter 44 of Ezekiel, verse 15. But of the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary, when the sons of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord. And he goes on throughout that chapter, through verse 31, again, saying again and again what's going to happen with the house of Zadok. Now turn in the same book, chapter 48, Ezekiel chapter 48. Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 9. The allotment that you shall set apart to the Lord shall be 25,000 cubits in length and 10,000 in width. The holy allotment shall be for these, namely for the priests, 
Toward the north, 25,000 cubits in length. Toward the west, 10,000 in width. Toward the east, 10,000 in width. And toward the south, 25 in length. And the sanctuary of the Lord shall be in the midst. It shall be for the priests who are sanctified of the sons of Zadok, who have kept my charge, who did not go astray when the sons of Israel went astray as the Levites went astray. So you see, again and again, he's underscoring, I haven't forgotten the word that I said. That word, because to Aaron, to Aaron, that his line would be priests, never had condition to it. He said, it will come from your line. But Aaron had two surviving sons, one being Eleazar and one being Ithamar. Ithamar's line ends up getting cut off because of the disobedience of Eli and his sons. That line ends up getting cut off so that in the prime of their lives they would all be killed. And those few that survived would just survive long enough to weep and say, could I, could I have a job? They'll keep coming to the house of Zadok. So of the line of Eleazar... His son Phineas, who stood for the Lord, God said, because of this, of the line of Phineas shall be a perpetual priesthood. That means in perpetuity. That means it continues on. And so from his line is raised up a priest named Zadok. And through that family of Zadok, the priesthood shall continue perpetually. Do you see the accuracy and the precision of God's word? When God makes a promise, how He desires to fulfill that promise, we may not even see that promise fulfilled in our lifetime. But the promise will be fulfilled. If He has made a promise, He will keep it. His Word is precise. It is clear. And this is why, if you want a good life, I can give you the prescription for a good life. You take this book and you make it your meditation and you will have a good life. What if someone could make such a promise to you? That if you take this item and keep it in your pocket, you will end up having a good life. You may have some rough days, you may have some challenges, but in the end, you will look back and you will say, I have had a good life. This is it. You take this book, you make it your meditation. You appropriate these promises. The scripture says, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, this, this chapter on faith, beautiful chapter on faith, Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 33. Who by faith, Hebrews 11:33, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises. By faith, they obtained promises. You take this book, you make it your meditation, God will raise your faith and you will obtain promises. You obtain promises by faith. You don't just obtain promises by saying, well, I'm a Christian, I just sit here and they'll just fall on me. No, they won't. It says you obtain promises through faith. You must believe. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whoever comes to God must believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. That's in verse 6 of the same chapter. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. Without faith, we can't please God. 
This book will raise your faith. This book is precise. The precision and accuracy of God's Word. God fulfills His promises. He has a way of stitching together everything that according to our acts, we change the course of human history. Remember what we talked about when we talked about the things in the sexual realm. The decisions that you make in the sexual realm change the course of human history. Because it changes the course of who's born. There's only 20. There's only, I'm sorry, there's only 100 generations that separate us from the time of Christ. That's it. Only 100 generations. Only 100 sexual acts that separate us in the descendancy of humankind from the time of Christ. That's it. But in the midst of all these decisions, which many of them may be rebellious, God is able to fulfill His Word. He just... Everything comes together. Only God could do that. The precision of this Word. You take this book, you will have a good life. I don't know, you may die of cancer when you're 30, but you will have a good life, and on your deathbed you'll say, God has been good to me. And God will leave a legacy through you. God will do it. I don't know what the details are, but He does. He stitches everything together and it is so precise and so accurate and His Word will be fulfilled. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the truth of Your Word. You have been so good. Father, I thank You for the accuracy of Your Word, for showing us, even in this one singular prophecy that we have studied concerning the house of Eli, of how You stitched all this together according to Your Word. Father, I thank You for what we have seen, for the precision, for the accuracy of Your Word, for the truth of Your prophecy, for the truth of the promises. Father, I pray for these young people in the name of Jesus that You would cause them to take this book and make it their meditation. That they would have good lives, that they would believe You and through faith appropriate promises. Through faith appropriate the promises that they could see good come in their lives. Father, bring them up, I pray, and have mercy on them. Father, remember us for good, I pray. In the name of Jesus, Amen.